You're listening to Space Rants, the best podcast in a 10 light year radius. I'm Seth. Welcome to the show. Our online store is live with all of the Space Rants clothing and accessories you could possibly want. So take a look at the merch page on spacerants.com. I'd like to welcome aboard our first sponsor, Concord Aerospace. More on them at the break. Today we're going to talk about a fan theory that unifies Star Trek and Doctor Who. This is my own original fan theory, so if anyone else has come up with uh, it or something similar to it, I haven't been able to find it. My theory predates the 2012 Assimilation Squared series of comics, which have not yet been canonized in the Star Trek franchise anyway. Now, Star Trek and Doctor Who have a few clever cross-references sprinkled throughout, and Memory Alpha has a whole page on these. But like I said, if anyone else has noticed this specific thing that I noticed, I haven't been able to find it. There are some spoilers here for Star Trek The Next Generation and the first couple seasons of the 2005 Doctor Who revival, sometimes called New Who, Uh, But everything that I will cover here is more than 10 years old. But, just to be clear, as River would say, spoilers. Let me take you first to Doctor Who, Series 1, Episode 13, The Parting of the Ways. Now, a lot happens in this episode, but the sequence of interest is that the Ninth Doctor's companion, Rose Tyler, opens the heart of the TARDIS and looks into the Time Vortex, and this infuses her with Vortex energy and possibly Huon energy as well, uh, creating the Bad Wolf entity. She then pilots the TARDIS to the Doctor's time and location uh, to save him from the Dalek Emperor, but naturally, they all take a little time to exchange words. During this exchange... She takes the words bad wolf off of a nearby wall using telekinesis and scatters them in time and space as a message to lead herself to her current course of action. The resulting time paradox is referred to by fans as the bad wolf meme, and the phrase bad wolf has been showing up all season at this point, so uh, this explains a lot. Then, the bad wolf entity destroys a Dalek fleet of 200 ships by telekinetically dividing their atoms. Uh, It makes more sense when you watch the full episode. Moving on, let's take a look at Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 1, The Best of Both Worlds, Part 2. The sequence of interest here is a Borg cube en route to assimilate Earth drops out of warp near the Star Wolf 3592 engage a waiting fleet of 40 Starfleet vessels. Aided by the tactical knowledge of Locutus, the assimilated persona of Captain Jean-Luc Picard, the Borg Cube then destroys 39 of the 40 Starfleet ships before resuming its course towards Earth, having sustained little or no damage. This engagement is known as the Battle of Wolf 359. And now it's time for some fun science facts. Wolf 359 is a real red dwarf star about 8 light years from our own solar system in the constellation of Leo. Wolf 359 data is the second most annoying thing that a space nerd can Google. The first most annoying thing that a space nerd can Google is Orion 
constellation. This has been Fun Science Facts. Okay, so a couple of uh, clues or just things to make sure we establish here. Both shows do take place in a multiverse. Both Star Trek and Doctor Who are set in a universe that does have parallel universes, alternate timelines, subspace vacuoles, God help us, bubble universes, etc. Uh, these alternate universes can usually be visited or at least interacted with. We also know from Doctor Who series 4 episode 13 Journey's End that the bad wolf meme manifested in other universes and we know that the bad wolf is not above a little wordplay in how she scatters the meme. And we can assume due to Rose's experiences from series one, episode four, Father's Day, that some part of the bad wolf's subconscious uh, might have been thinking about churches or perhaps religion uh, when she scattered the words bad wolf in time and space. And even if that wasn't the case, hey, the bad wolf can see the whole of time and space, right? All that is, was, and ever could be. So they would have known about the final piece in the puzzle which I will get to right after this message from our sponsors. Concord Aerospace produces some of the highest quality flight simulation and training devices on the market. They salvage real components from retired aircraft and can also custom fabricate parts to industry standards. The COVID-19 pandemic forced them to adapt and develop new product lines like the one that I am about to cover here. I know I've done joke ads before, so let me stress that this is absolutely real. They sent me a sample and I can vouch for its sturdy construction. Space Rants is supported by Concord Aerospace manufacturer and distributor of the Jewish Space Laser Activation Panel. The little-known 11th commandment reads, Thou shalt not talk about the space laser. Well, boy, am I gonna break my covenant today. First developed by the Israelites during their sojourn in Egypt in collaboration with space aliens from the planet Zbornak 5, the Jewish space laser technology was first deployed in order to rapidly evaporate a path through the Red Sea. Building on this ancient technology, the United States Space Force and a certain international... Sorry. Should I have said globalist? Should we do it again? No? Uh, okay. International investment banking firm briefly established total domain superiority in low Earth orbit by launching a Jewish space laser weaponizing its power-beaming capability, just like the Icarus Project from the James Bond movie, Die Another Day. Tragically, they had to self-destruct the satellite when a congressperson leaked classified information on Facebook in 2018. But the proud memory of this great military achievement lives on. Concord Aerospace fabricated the activation panels and industrial strength switches that made the Jewish space laser so reliable and convenient to operate and now you, yes you, can own not just a replica, but exact copies of the switches that were used aboard the Jewish Space Laser. 
Seriously, there was supposed to be a whole fleet of these things, and the Concord Aerospace Warehouse is just buried in Jewish space laser activation panels. Please help them out and buy one today. Available in three variations at ConcordAerospace.com, or just follow the link in the show notes. And make sure to use promo code SPACERANTS20 to save 20% on your first order. Again, let me stress that while Jewish space lasers are not real, the Jewish space laser activation panel made by Concord Aerospace very much is. It brings me so much joy that it exists, and it's very well made. In my opinion, it feels just like flipping a switch in the sim at space camp. These and other switches made by Concord Aerospace really work and can be used in DIY projects. And we're back. Okay, so both of the scenes that we visited from these iconic science fiction franchises involve highly asymmetric warfare and the word wolf. What else have we got? I hinted that it has to do with religion, so let's get one more tool in that tool belt. Gematria is a collection of numerological systems by which number values are assigned to Hebrew letters, essentially Aleph equals one, Bet equals two, etc. Now there are several different systems, but the general practice was popularized by scholars of Kabbalah, a prominent school of Jewish mysticism in the Middle Ages. At some point, this system was appropriated by evangelical Christians who now account for the bulk of Gematria's web presence. So let's run a little experiment and apply Mispar Hechrachi, the most common Gematria method, to the word Satan. Sin, Tet, Nun are the Hebrew consonants in that word. In English, we would say Satan. In Hebrew, it's Satan. Most Gematria methods only apply to consonants. So we're really only analyzing half the word here, but hey, whatever. Let's find the value of Stun. According to the sages, if we go by Misparhechrachi, Hechrachi, the letter Sin has a value of 300, the letter Tet has a value of 9, and the letter Nun has a value of 50. So let's add them up. 300 plus 9 plus 50 equals 359. Now you may be thinking, Seth, what about 666? Well, that number applies to the Hebrew transliteration of the Greek version of the name of the fifth Roman emperor, Nero, and does not directly relate to Satan. Anyway, um, using a handy little bit of Bible code there, you see that Starfleet engaged the Borg at the Battle of Wolf 359, sure. But you could say at the Battle of Wolf Satan, or Wolf Adversary. Put simply, Wolf Bad. So there you have it, the Battle of Wolf 359, arguably the most tragic and consequential event in the history of the United Federation of Planets, was nothing more or less than an instance of the Bad Wolf meme which scattered into the Star Trek Prime timeline. Now to my mind, this is some pretty robust evidence that Doctor Who and Star Trek take place in a single multiverse, and that the best of both worlds is, as far as I can tell, the first and only crossover episode for television. With this in mind, 
I kind of think it's a pity that Q didn't bring Captain Sisko and the Bad Wolf together at some point. Picture the emissary who has lectured, punched, and tackled a veritable gallery of omnipotent beings, right? Picture this guy bargaining with the Bad Wolf for the lives of everyone at Wolf 359, including his crew, his wife, and his son, knowing full well that the future stability of the Federation is at stake. And then maybe in the B-plot, it turns out that Q and the Doctor both have a passing knowledge of the Traveler, and maybe the Doctor wonders how Wesley is doing. There's a lot of potential here. Let's put together a fan petition or something. I wonder if any of the next-gen writers knew of the numerological significance of the number 359 when they chose the setting of this defining space battle. I also wonder if the Doctor Who writers picked up on it and 15 years later chose the words they did to scatter through time and space in homage as kind of a nod from one pivotal moment in science fiction to another. So what do you think? Let me know on the contact page of spacerants.com or on social or comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, that about wraps things up. Thank you for joining me. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts and on social at Rants in Space. And depending on the platform, please do make sure to like, share, comment, rate, and or review. And if you can do so comfortably, it would be amazing if you became a patron or purchased uh, Space Rants merch to support the show. Even now, in the information age, nothing beats word of mouth. If you love the show, tell all your friends, and if you hate the show, just tell all your enemies. Our logo was designed by Kristen DeVico. Our theme music is composed by Jonathan Freund with additional music from System Sounds. Jewish Space Laser Activation Panel commercial music is by Klezmer Legend and five-time Grammy nominee Henry Sapoznik. Link to all of these amazing artists are in the show notes. Even as restrictions relax here in the U.S., the pandemic is not over yet, and its effects will be felt for a long time. Now, more than ever, at bare minimum, we must be kind to one another. And if you get a chance, help someone today. I'll catch you on the flip side.